Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. What did I take away from today's podcast? That what I eat is so important in the prevention of cancer But as important as what I eat is what I'm thinking about. And Chris taught me and will be teaching you how to change your thoughts and stay more positive and stay more grateful. Good morning, Chris. It's so awesome to have you on the podcast. I've been a fan for a long time. Um, This is Chris Wark. He is the author of Chris Beat Cancer. Um, He's got an amazing website that is full. Just it's just rich with alternative health information with beating cancer, but also the mental health aspects of cancer. He's just really got it all on his website. Um, Chris, welcome to Why Did I Get Cancer? Thank you, Deborah. Uh, Good to be with you. Hopefully you can help me uh, get to the bottom of this question. (laughs) Let's hope so. So um, first of all, you have an amazing journey. And were you 26 when you were diagnosed? I was. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, I mean, I was 26. I'd been married for two years. I was barely out of college. It took me five years to graduate with an undergraduate degree because I was such an overachiever. (laughs) You know, I was actually really excited about my young adult life, but I started having abdominal pain. And for the better part of the year, I ignored it. And eventually the pain got worse. You know, I went to several doctors, eventually had a colonoscopy, and they found a golf ball sized tumor in my colon, which for anyone who doesn't know, the colon is not just a punctuation mark. It's also a part of your body, (laughs) the large intestine. They biopsied it, called me within a day or two and said, bad news, you've got colon cancer. Wow. Did you have any family history? Not at that time. Now, years later, my uncle, my mom's brother got colon cancer and my dad got colon cancer, but it was many years after I did. And, you know, it's worth mentioning that colon cancer is one of the most common cancers and uh, second or third most common cancer. So family history certainly plays a role, but a lot of people get it with no family history. So to be diagnosed at 26, I mean, honestly, last thing you probably could ever comprehend, how did that change your career path? It didn't change my career path. (laughs) Uh, not at least not uh, not initially, but it did change every other aspect of my life. You know, a colon cancer, any cancer diagnosis is a shock, and it really what I learned quickly. It was at first, it's a wake up call, and I think most people, when they get a diagnosis, their instincts and intuition are telling them, "Yeah, there's something not right in my life." You know, I'm I'm sick, I'm diseased, right? I'm ill. There's something not right. Something caused this. Something led up to this disease. We all, most of us, have been told that we live in a cause and effect world. 
And I think most of us believe that's true. It's a law of physics. And so every effect, every disease has a cause. So I had a sense that, you know, things in my life weren't right, but, you know, and I wanted to know what caused my disease, but I really didn't have any clue at that point. And so the first thing that happened is they rushed me into surgery, which they, you know, the, the big problem with cancer treatment is that patients are rushed into treatments and therapies that they don't understand. And many of these therapies are destructive. They're brutal. They have a, a very uh, significant risk of side effects and long-term damage and even death. And I was told, we got to get you into surgery right away. I mean, I was diagnosed just a few days before Christmas and they wanted to have me in surgery before Christmas, like, you know, in the hospital. Uh, and so I was able to postpone that about a week and a half based around the surgeon's schedule. And I just said, man, I really don't want to be in the hospital on Christmas. Can we just do it after the holiday? And so I went in on December 30th. I woke up from surgery and they said, you're stage 3C, which oh is gosh. worse yeah. than we thought. We were hoping you were just going to be stage 2. If you're stage 2, this the tumor is yeah, has not broken through the wall, the intestine. It hasn't spread to the lymph nodes. If you're stage four, that means there's signs of cancer in other organs in your body. So anyway, the cancer was on its way to stage four. I was basically just a click away from stage four. And uh, they said the next step for you is going to be nine to 12 months of chemotherapy. So anyway, a couple things happened in the hospital that got me thinking, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, a little differently about medicine and healthcare. And that was the first meal they served me after taking out a third of my large intestine, which was a sloppy Joe. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the sloppy Joe. You know, you, you can't get sloppy Joes in a restaurant because nobody likes them. <laughs> nobody wants a sloppy Joe. You know, if you're in line, you're, you're in some, so, some situation where you don't have control over your food options and you're just forced to eat whatever they give you, that would be summer camp, the military, or... <laughs> prison, right? So that true. to me is still <laughs> just hilarious and and disturbing at the same time. It's just like, why? Such a disconnect. Such Huge a disconnect, disconnect between healthcare and actual health, healthy practices, healthy eating, healthy living. The other thing that happened was a few days later, they said, you can go home. And my surgeon came in to check on me. And we were just having a conversation about what, what was next, what to expect, recovery. And I said, uh, hey, is there any food I need to avoid? Because again, you just cut out a third of my large intestine. Like everything you eat is going down the tube and it's gonna pass through that area. And I don't wanna eat the wrong thing. Like, is, are, are there any foods that are like, oh, whatever you do, do not eat hot peppers, right? I mean, I don't know. So he said, um, no, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Wow, okay, so zero nutritional content information from your oncologist. Well, that was the surgeon, but you're right. No advice, no, no dietary advice, no gut health advice, you know, nothing. I mean, literally the message was, doesn't matter what you eat. Just don't strain yourself. Don't lift anything heavy. Even the beer joke was basically permission to like, oh yeah, you can drink beer. What, you know, it's like, it doesn't even matter what you put in your mouth. Yeah. So that was your red flag moment then. There were, those were two red flags, two red flags. That, um, you know, again, that the healthcare industry really was not about health. And uh, we know it's really, dis it's, it's not healthcare, it's sick care, it's disease care. It's, it's just treating the sick, treating the diseased. Maybe they'll feel better, maybe they'll get better, but the money is really not made in, in creating and promoting health. The money is made in, in perpetuating disease. Right, they don't make money on a plant-based diet. No, 
You can't make money really on telling your patients to exercise or eat healthier. And, you know, it, not only can you not make money, I mean, you can't even really bill insurance as a doctor, right, for time spent educating a patient on how to improve their life. So the system is skewed heavily toward therapies that generate the most revenue, right? It's really, if you just follow the money, it's very obvious. It's very obvious. There's a lot of good doctors and, and healthcare professionals in that industry that are trapped, right? They're trapped in an industry that pays them really well and gives them very little freedom or financial incentive to actually care for their patients in a holistic way. Uh, you know, it's like the golden handcuffs, right? They're, they're trapped and they've invested a decade or more of their life to, to get where they are before they realize these treatments, these drugs, they're not saving lives. They're not helping people. And, uh, you know, physicians have one of the highest rates of suicide of any profession because the industry is just absolutely soulless, brutal, emotionally and you know, psychologically on the practitioners, right? It's just like a meat grinder. Med school is a, med school is like four years of boot camp. I mean, they just break you down mentally, emotionally, physically, until you're just sort of like a compliant robot, right? And and being a doctor of internal medicine, what is internal medicine? That's drugs, right? You're a doctor who prescribes drugs. That's what you're trained to do. And there's no education. Right. Yeah. The amount of drugs that were prescribed to me with my cancer journey, you know, and I'd ask questions and they'd, they'd say, wow, nobody's ever asked us that before. And I thought, oh my gosh, you want me to do five years of drugs that are going to hugely impact my body? And you don't know how to answer these questions? It was just mind boggling to me. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because I have a free resource that's called 20 Questions for Your Oncologist. It's on chrisbeatcancer.com. It's on every page of my website. There's a link to this free guide. And I created it because patients don't know the right questions to ask. And if you don't ask the right questions, you will walk away from your consultations with very little information. That's exactly right. And we'll have a link in the show notes to Chris's website and that great guide, which I actually downloaded yesterday. And I kicked myself because I've known about your website for years. And I did not download this before I started my cancer journey. But that brings me to a question. And I'm actually just going to read something that you wrote on your own website. And you wrote, cancer is the body's natural response to overwhelming toxicity and suppressed immune function. It is the body's brilliant attempt to save your life. And then when I read this statement to my husband, he said, but you weren't toxic. You ate organic food. I'm a certified nutritionist. I eat mainly a plant-based diet. But my response to him was, I've always struggled with my thoughts and emotions. And I wonder, could toxic thoughts make my body more hospitable to cancer? I'm glad you brought it up. The uh, answer is yes. <laughs> And I'm happy to talk about it in great detail. And I'll summarize my story. If anybody wants to, that wants to know my story, all the details, everything I did to survive and thrive, it's in my first book, Chris Beat Cancer, which is on Amazon. It's in every bookstore. It's easy to find. But, you know, I, I had this revelation that the way I was living was killing me. That was the revelation I had. It's hard to accept, maybe at first, that, oh, this is my fault or this might be my fault. Some, some uh, patients you know, absolutely recoil at that notion. Uh, but it's an actually, it's a very powerful, empowering idea 
It's personal responsibility, you know? And what I like to say all the time is, you know, everything in life happens for a reason. And most of the time, the reason is you. So true. It's you, right? Not every problem is your fault, but a lot of your problems are your fault, <laughs> okay? A lot of them are. And if you live a life where, or if you have a mindset where you blame everyone else for your problems, then you, you basically become a victim, right? You are a victim of circumstance and you have no power of over your life. And that is not a great way to live. In fact, that's a, that, that is a, basically a, puts you in a downward spiral of, of hopelessness, powerlessness, discouragement, depression. And the farther you go down that road, the worse your life gets. And I'm a believer that we have power and free will and autonomy, and that our choices create our life. And so the choices you make today create your life tomorrow. And so anyway, I, you know, I, after having this powerful revelation of the way, you know, the way you're living is killing you, I realized I've got to change my life, right? I, if I want to survive, if, if I want to get well, if I contributed to my disease in some way, then I can contribute to my health. If I contribute to my illness, I can contribute to my wellness. And uh, I got excited, right, for the first time, because what happens in the cancer clinics is patients are told there's nothing you did. It's probably genetic. If it's not genetic, it's just bad luck. No kidding. The bad luck is what is the response that I got when I said, why did I get cancer? Bad luck. And you're a woman. We're so sorry. Here's a pat on the back. Here's, you know, but we'll do the best we can. And we've got the best staff and state-of-the-art facilities. And we've got really cushy, comfy chairs for your when you come get your chemo and we'll, we got, you know, right. blankets and, and little hats that you can wear and mittens and we'll bring you some candies and snacks and a Diet Coke if you want one. Yeah. Keep your weight up. The pandering, right? It's, it's this disempowerment and pandering that they, that they treat patients like these pathetic little powerless victims of disease. And that is what you become, right? If you believe that, oh no, my doctor said it's nothing I did, right? Okay. And what happened? What does that patient do? Nothing, right? They do nothing. They go home and they change nothing about their life. And their life could be an absolute disaster, right? They could be a smoker, right? Smoking is the number one cause of cancer. Their doctor didn't tell my doctor didn't tell me to stop smoking. So, you know, I, I don't think I need to. Uh, if they're overweight or obese, well, obesity is the second leading cause of cancer. Uh-oh, we're getting to the causes. We're getting into the causes of cancer, things that people don't want to hear. Shoot, people have to take personal responsibility and they're going to have to do something. And I think that we just, when we get a diagnosis like this, we just, again, we get that message, bad luck. It's nothing, honey, that you've done. So, you know, just keep your weight up. Have as, you know, if you want to treat, have a treat, keep your weight up. And that's the message I got. Right. And knowing that obesity is the second leading cause of cancer and doctors not telling their patients that they need to lose weight. Instead, they're telling them they need to keep their weight up and eat ice cream and milkshakes and whatever they want. Okay? Right. And then there's that whole sugar inflammation issue. Yeah. And the argument is, well, we don't want to deprive this person. You know, cancer's hard enough. We don't want to deprive them from their favorite foods. So you just go home and enjoy your favorite junk disease promoting foods just make sure you don't miss your chemo appointment so that's a big problem that to me is medical malpractice it's it's criminal medical negligence no with with the vast body of research on nutrition and cancer survival uh anti-cancer foods it's just insane right it's insane that patients are not told you get you know what if you change your diet and lose weight you can increase your odds of survival 
by a lot. Exponentially. By a lot. Like right. you don't have to just go home and cross your fingers and hope for the best. You can actually change your life and improve your odds of survival, even if you do keep mowing all these treatments, right? So there's one of my favorite studies is one on breast cancer patients where they found that breast cancer patients who ate an average of five servings of fruits and vegetables per day and walked an average of 30 minutes per day, right? Deliberate walking exercise had a 50% decreased risk of recurrence after nine years. So think about that. Right, which is honestly as good as radiation. Yeah, I mean, they slashed their odds of recurrence in half yes just by some basic changes these aren't even like hardcore radical no, changes these are just and actually enjoyable changes and chris there's no pill on the market that's going to reduce your risk in an enjoyable way without any side effects by 50 percent. yeah and and again there's no money in fruits and vegetables or exercise and so when these studies come out, when they're published, they most of the time they like they don't make it into medical education. They don't make it to the oncologist's office. And maybe if for by some chance the oncologist has a prescription to that journal that the study is published in, you know, they're so busy, maybe they didn't read it, you know? And so the good ones are reading. I mean, there are some really fantastic oncologists out there, and I consider them integrative oncologists because they are telling their patients, you have to change your diet, right? You have to start exercising. This is proven to help you survive, right? Th these things will help you, but most of them are not. And so that's become my role. And you asked me earlier, how did this change my career? Well, so it didn't change my career right away. I, for, I spent, you know, I, I kept doing what I was doing, but I found an integrative oncologist. I found a naturopathic doctor. I went from book to book to book to book. And after reading just one man's story of survival, of healing with a raw food diet, plant-based, raw, organic, and juicing, I realized, or I just had the, I supposed that I could get well too, <laughs> right? This guy healed. Maybe I can heal. And he changed his life. It gave you some inspiration to go in a different direction. Yeah. Absolutely. All it takes is one person's story, at least for me. I didn't need a meta-analysis, right? I didn't need some study on a million people to prove to me that eating more fruits and vegetables would be good for me. I just, you know, I think the truth is self-evident. So when you hear it, you're like, yeah, okay, right. More fruits and vegetables. I'm sure that's good. How could that harm me? And so I decided to just... Right. No side effects. Right. Yeah. I decided to just overdose on nutrition. I went from eating one to two servings of fruits and vegetables per day, like a typical American, to eating between 15 and 20 servings of fruits and vegetables every day. Wow. Wow. That's a huge leap. And I think that most people are going to say, ah, it's too much work. Too much work. I just, I'd rather take the drugs. And that is their option. However... Look at where you are now, 18 years later. And so how do we encourage people to have a, a bigger vision for their future of what that might look like if they just did a little bit better on their diet? They took a few more deep breaths each day or walked for 30 minutes a day. Well, that is my, that's my mission. That's why I do what I do. It's to help patients and people who want to prevent cancer understand that their choices matter. The choices you make now will affect your life tomorrow. You're, you are sowing seeds of health or disease and you will reap a harvest, right? The harvest is coming. You're sowing seed. What's it gonna be? You're gonna reap more health in the future or are you gonna have all kinds of chronic disease, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, MS, autoimmune disease, all of these 
chronic diseases are linked to our diet and lifestyle choices and to environmental pollution. And, and this information is so empowering because when you, if you have a problem in your life, right? If you have a problem, doesn't I'm gonna just forget about cancer for a second. If you got a problem and you want to solve that problem, you have to eliminate the cause of the problem. If your roof is leaking, if water is dripping from your ceiling, right? You can put a bucket under it and you can mitigate the damage, right? It, maybe it won't ruin your floors if you catch the water in a bucket every day and empty the bucket, but you haven't solved the problem, right? You got to get up on the roof, find the hole and patch it. So the same is true for chronic disease. Chronic disease, all chronic disease has a cause or multiple causes. And if you don't get to the root causes of disease in your life, the disease will persist and not just persist, it will get worse over time. So I set about investigating uh, every way I, I could change my life. And I, I got real honest, right? Real honest with myself. What are you doing? What are you eating? Are you exercising? How are you thinking? What's going on in your emotions, your thought life, your spiritual life? I got really honest with myself. That's kind of like I spread my life on the table and I analyzed it. You have to be willing to face your flaws and your fears and your failures and work through them day by day, right? And just do this work to improve your life. And anyone can do what I did. I don't have special powers, okay? I don't have special powers. Here's what I had. And this is an answer, long answer to your question, which is like, how do you help people, uh, you know, do this? Well, the number one thing, the most important thing is you have to believe that you can get well. You have to believe you can get well. And so most of what I do is just helping spark that one belief in my audience is that you can get well. And if you have that belief that healing is possible, that you can get well, then the next logical progression of thought is, what can I do to help myself get well, right? So you can get well and your choices matter and you can change your life and it'll improve your health and your life in general. And so, okay, and so then what are the steps that you can take to make these changes? And some of them you can make some of the biggest, you know, levers, like I like to call them, the biggest levers that you can pull to get maximum results are changing your diet and exercising, right? Those are the two huge levers that you can change overnight. You can. And the great thing is, is they don't cost much. Exercise costs you nothing. And eating healthy costs you, arguably, very little. People say, oh, it's so expensive to eat healthy. It really isn't. So if you stop eating out, if you stop eating fast food and junk food, if you stop buying all the crap like snack food that you normally buy all the sugary drinks and the chips and the crackers and candies and cookies and ice cream like if you stop buying all that food all of a sudden you have a pile of money right that you were normally spending on crap food that you can now spend on fruits and vegetables right and they can also get creative and you know go to their local farmers market support farmers in their area i mean it is time when you get a cancer diagnosis it's time to dig deep and get creative and it doesn't have to be painful i mean i have so many women 
who say to me, well, eating that way is expensive and I don't have the money and I don't. You know what? You do. If you can eat out three nights a week, you can eat a mainly organic diet. You have the money. You have the money. You're just allocating it in a in a different space. Yeah, you have excuses is what you have, right? Right, plenty of excuses. Because you got the money and, and let me help you find the money, right? Let's find the money to afford to eat healthy. And you're already spending it on food. You're overspending, especially if you're eating out. And so I, and hey, in January, 2004, when I started changing my life, I changed my diet overnight, literally overnight. I said, I'm going all raw fruits and vegetables. I'm going back to the garden of Eden. I'm eating only fruits and vegetables, all organic. And that was overnight. Anyone can change their diet overnight. Anyone can start exercising overnight, unless you're in a hospital bed, then okay, you got to wait till you get out of the hospital or something. But anyone can start walking pretty much, right? Almost anyone can start walking or get a inexpensive gym membership. Or if you have a little money, hire a personal trainer uh, or take Zumba or Jazzercise or Pilates classes or yoga or whatever, right? All exercise is beneficial. Exercise turns on anti-cancer genes and it turns off cancer-promoting genes. It's that powerful. That powerful. It's so underrated. Right. And exercise also is one of the best clinically proven antidepressants. Absolutely. It improves your mood. It makes you happy. <laughs> it makes you feel good. So again, there's not there's not a pill on the market that's going to make you feel as good as 30 minutes of exercise outside in nature, being grateful. That's right. And it, it increases your circulation. It increases detoxification. Right. Obviously, it increases your uh, your uh, muscle mass and bone strength. All these things come from exercise. It's so good. All these things are important in your battle. Join me next week where I continue my conversation with Chris and we discuss the mental aspects of cancer and how negative thoughts and unforgiveness and even anger can contribute to our health. One of the things I didn't expect with cancer treatment is that I was just running hot all the time. I think my body was just so full of chemicals and I was so stressed all the time that I ended up having a lot of hot flashes and I just, and they usually came at night. So I would just be so warm, couldn't sleep. I wish I would have found this product, Chili Sleep, back when I was battling cancer. So Chili Sleep is a kind of a upgraded mattress pad that has coils in it with water. You set the temperature of what you want the water to be. So I can have an app on my phone and do it, or I can just use it on the unit itself. And I sleep so comfortably now, I never get too hot at night. I set my chilly sleep to 68 degrees, and I can sleep through the whole night without having one night sweat. If you want to get one of these great products, use the code ENOS20 at Chili Sleep. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening. 